0: If you've got a Bible with you, please turn, me, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 23. I'm only going to read a few verses from there, but it'll be a good uh, point for you to notice that David is the king. He's been anointed. He has been chosen. He's slain Goliath. He's done all of that. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 3, uh, 23, verse 14, look what's happening. He's the king, and it says, David stayed in the wilderness. Strongholds in the hills, in the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. While David was in uh, at Horesh, in the desert of Ziph, he learnt that Saul had come out to take his life. Happy day, king. Walking in God's plans, king. You're in the wilderness. As Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh, he helped him find strength in God. It's good to have friends, isn't it? When you're going through a difficult time, it's good that somebody comes out and helps you find strength in God. I hope you can be one of those friends to someone. Don't be afraid, he said, my father Saul will not lay a hand on you You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. It's going to happen, David, but it's delayed. Just go down to verse 26 of that same chapter, chapter 23, 1 Samuel. Saul was going along one side of the mountain, and David and his men were going on the other side, hurrying to get away from Saul. Saul. Isn't that just comical? It's almost ridiculous. There's the king, and yet he's being chased around the wilderness. I wonder what happens in your life when things don't make sense, when the purpose that you feel God had laid on your heart, that you're saying, well, this isn't working out, Lord. If I asked you as a Christian today, how much do you think that God is in control of your life? Most of you would say, absolutely. But you know, God doesn't treat us as if he's the puppet master and he's pulling every string and that we are just doing his will automatically. Being with God, it's like a relationship. For those of you watching online, God wants a relationship with you. God wants you to come closer to him as a friend, as he does for all of us. You see, being with God, it's like, it's a stewardship, it's a relationship, it's a friendship. Now, there are times when what God does is he shows you that he's in absolute control of all the details and, and makes himself big in your life and you just things just work out exactly to the penny and God is showing you, I am in control, don't ever doubt it. There are other times when God, however, rather than showing you his largeness, because he wants a relationship and he wants you to use your faith and he wants to grow your character, he wants to deepen your character so that you can have more, he, he kind of puts you in situations where you have to stretch and believe and, and kind of dig into what you really want. You know, uh, a few years ago, uh, you know that I don't really drive a car, and uh, but I, I do like cars. And uh, Kathy and I, when we choose a car, I tend to choose the car. She drives, I choose. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, you know, when I... When I uh, choose a car, I go into all the bits. I, you know, get all the brochures, look at the safety things, go through the measurement. What's the wheelbase? Will it fit in the garage? You know, that's an important point, by the way. And, uh, you know, go into it, all this. And uh, a few years ago, I don't know when where, whether you remember this, there was a car called a PT Cruiser. I mean, any car called a Cruiser's got to be cool anyway. It was a PT Cruiser, and it looked like, from the front anyway, it looked like a gangster car. And I thought, that'd be great as a pastor driving around, like a gangster in a car, you know. And I wanted a red one, and, you know, it was just really great, and took Kathy for a, a drive, and, she, and Kathy liked it in the test drive. And so we thought, so we were saving our money for our PT Cruiser gangster pastor and wife. <laughs> And, and, you know, and then what what I discovered was I had a letter from uh, the HMRC and said, I've been overpaying my national insurance for seven years and they sent me a check for the price of the car. Isn't that amazing? See, sometimes God just does amazing things for you just to show you that he's in control. Now, Hey, every pastor's got a car story and that's mine. And uh, there are more important things in the world than cars. There really are. But you know, God sometimes makes himself large so he can just prove to you that he is, he's got it. There's a man one time who had a beautiful garden and his friend uh, came by and said, oh, this is just wonderful. You are so blessed. Well, the Lord has blessed you with this garden And the man turned to his friend and said, well, that's great, but you should have seen it when the Lord had it to himself. In other words, there are other times when we have to work with the Lord and do our part. As he does his part, we do our part. And it's a partnership and a relationship. I wonder if you now, if your purpose is a little bit delayed, if you now will walk with the Lord in relationship rather than expecting it to be all automatic or just a formula, that actually God's wanting to walk alongside you and walk with you. You see, God does have a great purpose for your life. And I felt really led, I mean, almost pressed by God to take these first three weeks of my ministry here to, to say to you as an individual, you have a purpose in God. And I want to say that to you again this morning. It's very clear to me that God wants to say to you that, hey, I have yet things for you to do, that whatever stage of life you're at, uh, that still, whether you're at the golden years stage, God still has work for you to do and things for you to do. He wants you to do things. And if you're young today, understand that God's got a marvellous plan for your life. And sometimes it'll be so big and detailed and other times you'll have to walk with it on it. In fact, in the Psalms, Psalm 139, verses eight through 12, it says this, if I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, then you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle to the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your purpose is safe in God. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will be light to you. You know, that's another way of saying God's got it. Even the darkness will be light to you and the night will shine like the day for the darkness is his light to you. God has your purpose in his hand. And you have to begin to start to believe in, okay, God, I have a purpose in you. There are voices in your head sometimes that told you you haven't got a purpose. But God is saying today, come on, church, you have a purpose. But what happens when our purpose is delayed or our, you know, David's establishing, supposed to be establishing the kingdom and Saul's chasing him around the wilderness? It's nonsense, it's a delay. When we are delayed, God is deepening us. He's making you, David, a better king. He's teaching you how to lead. You're not ready yet. When we're delayed, we have to ask, what are you up to, God? What are you deepening in my life? What connections are you deepening? What, what things are you bringing into my character? You see, when we are delayed, we may not be responsible for the situation, but we can be response-able or able to bring the right responses to that situation. That we can have grace in God to make the right responses so that we don't blow it in that situation and miss the deepening that God is bringing to us. Joseph Merrick, who who sometimes is called John Merrick erroneously, was born on August the 5th, 1862 in Leicester. Joseph was so deformed that people find it hard to look at him his right arm was was the with the same width of his torso and he had growths on his head and and in those days very cruelly there were kind of circuses and and not to say it in a harsh way but Joseph was put in the part of the show where they saw deformed humans, and that's where we got the word freak show from. And people would look at him and, and the, some would run out scared because he was so uh, deformed and it, it, his speech was difficult. And a doctor named Dr. Trevez went to see this show because he was interested in anatomy. And after the show, he, he said to me, if ever, if ever you need me, here's my business card. Well, the circus went out of town and, and uh, Joseph got dropped from the circus because he was so freakish and he was actually found in, in a doorway by police and, and he couldn't really, they couldn't understand him and the police found the business card in his pocket. And so the police took him to Dr. Treves who took him in. And Dr. Treves didn't warn the orderly that was going to take the food into Joseph's room. And because he didn't warn her, she shrieked and dropped all the food on the floor. He was so hideous. And then Treves decided to make an experiment. He asked one brave lady if she would go and shake hands with Joseph and smile at him. And she reached out a hand and he gave his deformed hand back. And they shook hands and smiled at him. And she quickly retreated. And Joseph sobbed for the next two hours and said, that's the first human contact I've had in my life. But that was a turning point for Treves because he said, this man isn't a freak. He can respond. And so he took him under his wings, so to speak, and gave him books to read, smuggled him in, into uh, theatres. And you can watch the film, The Elephant Man. And uh, he would take him to the countryside and, and Joseph would pick flowers and chase rabbits. And, and eventually Joseph uh, did die at, because of his condition at the age of 27. But here's what Trevor said. He said, never once did I hear him complain. In fact, he said, God has been so good to me. And I just wonder whether we could take charge of our responses to the way that our life has fallen. Just down the road in Elephant and Castle in Metropolitan Tabernacle, Charles Spurgeon used to preach, and he put it this way, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. In other words, let's embrace the things that come at us that throw us closer to God. Before you rebuke a storm, maybe you need to accept that you're in it. You know, the Bible does say in Philippians 4.13, doesn't it? I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You can get a hold of your responses to this divine delay in your life. In delay, God is deepening you. He's making it so that your character can hold more, so you can do more for him, so that he can give you a larger plan, so that everything that he has for you can be yours. You know, the Bible's full of examples of people who had a great, they were in God's purposes, but their lives were delayed and they were put in a difficult spot. I wonder if you could be like Gideon. We find him in a wine press hidden away, uh, really not having the self-esteem that he needed to have. And yet God spoke to him. And what he did was he made God some broth and it was taken up. And then he learned, I can go and knock down an altar. And then the next day, when God spoke to him again, he put a fleece out. And when that fleece came right, he went out to war. You see, what he didn't do is try to do everything all at once. He just said, God, I will follow you for my next step. I wonder if you could say to God, God, what's my next step? Some of you are asking God for the end and God's saying, I want to give you the next step. Well, maybe you could be like Joseph. Joseph was a man who served Potiphar faithfully. Potiphar didn't have to worry about a thing in his house. And when he was put into prison, the prison guard and the warden didn't have to worry about a thing in the prison because Joseph looked after it. And when he was promoted to be with Pharaoh, Pharaoh didn't have to look after a thing because Joseph was so consistent. I wonder in your delay and in your uh, dilemma of God putting your life on hold a bit, whether you could just stop trying to change all the time and be consistent and do what God's put before you. Stop complaining about where you're at and say, I'm going to make this tremendous for the people around me. I wonder if you could be like Caleb, who, it was not even his fault why he was delayed. He was the spy that said, we can do this. Come on, let's go and take that land. And yet all the other people outvoted him and he had to wait 40 years. But you know what it says about Caleb? Caleb. He says that he served the Lord. Joshua chapter 14, you can read it there. He served the Lord wholeheartedly. I wonder if in the midst of your delay, whether you could say, I'm all in. You see, people sometimes when they're delayed, they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. And God can't fashion them because they're in and out. And they're not shaking it all about either. (laughs) You know, they're just so inconsistent. And yet Caleb says, I'm all in. He was wholehearted. Or whether or not you could be like Abigail. Abigail was a woman who was bullied by her husband. Her husband, Nabal, was a fool. That's what his name means. And it, she was bullied by him. And the atmosphere in their home was, was terrible. You didn't know whether he was in a good mood or a bad mood. In fact, the Bible says he was a surly man even though she was very beautiful. Man, don't some men just drop on really lucky? (laughs) Okay, that's not theology, that's just my opinion. And so he makes a huge mistake in insulting David, but Abigail doesn't say to herself, man, this is my chance to get back at that surly man, that actually she does the right thing, even in a bad environment. I know that your workplace can sometimes be surrounded by people who perhaps are not the best people around you. Let's just put it like that. But I wonder if you could be like Abigail and just do the right thing. Just do what is the right thing in that situation. If you're being delayed, let me take you to the book of Jeremiah. Maybe you want to turn there, Jeremiah chapter 32. And in Jeremiah 32, there's God asked Jeremiah to do a really strange thing. In fact, he asked Jeremiah to take a faith step even when he's contained because his faith action is like a sign that God is going to work it out in the future for everyone else. Sometimes when you are delayed and it's difficult for you, when when people see you walking in faith, Believing God, they start believing God and they trust God for their future. This is what happened to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 32 verse one says this, "'The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord "'in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, "'which was in the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. "'The army of the king of Babylon was was besieging Jerusalem "'and Jeremiah the prophet was confined.'" in the courtyard of the God's royal palace of Judah. Do you feel confined a bit? And then what God says to him, look at verse 25. And though the city will be given to the hands of the Babylonians, sovereign Lord, you've said to me, buy a field with silver and have that transaction witnessed. Don't just say you're going to do it. Jeremiah, buy this field. And Jeremiah is saying, Why do you want me to buy a field when the land's going to be taken over? It it seems crazy. And what the Lord's saying is, I want you to invest for the future for somebody else. Look what it says, verse 42 through verse 44. This is what the Lord says. I have bought all this great calamity on these people so that I will give them all the prosperity I've promised them. Once more, fields will be bought in this land of which you say, it is desolate and waste without people or animals, for it has been given into the hands of the Babylonians. Fields will be bought for silver and deeds will be signed and sealed and witnessed in the territory of Benjamin, in the villages and around Jerusalem, in the towns of Judah and in the towns of the hill country of the western foothills of Negev. Why? Because I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. Your faith step is somebody's bridge to their future. Don't give up, still stop, still believe. And that's the lesson of delay. That even when you're delayed, and you don't know the end, believe for the little things before you and God's going to pour out things on you and make a bridge to the future for other people. I know it sounds like a complicated lesson. Let me do it really simply. If you're delayed, keep believing and trusting God for things. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's what God was teaching Jeremiah. Buy a field. Even though you think everything's lost, I wonder if everything's against you going to university. Fill out the application form by the field. You know, we talked a lot about our twins. (laughs) We say they're ours. (laughs) In the difficult way that that was. Kathy, when it looked like everything was lost, she said, I'm knitting blankets anyway. I'm buying a field. I'm doing it anyway. And that's not a guarantee. But unless you fill your life with some faith steps, the darkness of your situation will overcome you. Believe. The other lesson for Jeremiah was, and it's a famous Lesson, he was contained in the courtyard and the Lord says, call on me and I will answer you. Hey, listen, here's the truth. Seasons change, but they change on the hinges of prayer. Maybe you could be like Caleb, who's all in. Maybe in your delay, you could be like Joseph who stays consistent so that other people don't have to worry. Perhaps you could be like Gideon who just does the next step and then the next step is revealed. Maybe you could be like Abigail who just does the right thing even though it's difficult. Maybe you could be like Jeremiah who just keeps taking faith steps even though the situation's difficult. Or maybe you could be like Jeremiah who says, I'm still going to call on you, Lord. You see, every one of us is going to go through a delay. There'll be times when your purpose will seem contained and it will seem like it is not quite there in God. And you'll be thinking to yourself, did I hear that right? And God is just trying to deepen you. So you need to pray and ask him, say, God, what character thing do you want me to learn? What connections with other people do you want me to have? You see, if you're confined, combine the natural things that are going on with the supernatural. Can I tell you my testimony? I was talking to Reg, who's been here about 30 years, I think, uh, the other night. And uh, I was saying to Reg, Reg, I don't know whether to tell people my testimony of how I came here. And he said, you know what? As somebody who's been here a while, that would help me. And so whether this is just between me and Reg, let me share it with you and the whole world on the internet. Two years ago, just as the pandemic began, my great friend died. Like a brother to me. See, what you don't know about my life is, I was abandoned by my two brothers. Really, not not intentionally, but they just got on with their lives, and we're not we're not that close. I, I, we love them. There's no real problem, but it's just we've drifted apart. And David was my great friend, and he he was like a brother to me. Pastor of the church in Derby, and David, all of a sudden on the day, that, uh, just the week before we were locked down, died of a heart attack. And my me and my fog of grief was, was working through that and also working really hard during lockdown, as were you. In the middle of all of this, two o'clock in the morning, I suddenly was woken in the night. But it wasn't a, a frightening wake up. It was a a really lovely experience. I sat up in bed and it was like the whole bedroom was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and it was like a really lovely atmosphere. And I was actually preaching a series on the life of Joseph at that time. And God gave me five messages from the life of Joseph. But I, I just knew that there were four Kensington Temple. God said to me, he wants to restore our prophetic voice. God said to me, there was an issue of confinement. and He's going to release that. God said to me, preach, preach purity and make this a beacon of purity in this city. The Lord said to me, and there was an issue of purity. and The Lord said to me that God wants to raise up this church as a storehouse for the nations, like Joseph did for Pharaoh. And then fifthly, God said, and I will restore Elam and Kensington Temple back to each other as one family. And I'm sitting in bed, and this is not like any criticism of either Elam or Kensington Temple. And let me let me say to you this, in, in what I'm going to share with you, it was like a voice of love. It was like, it was like somebody who's really proud of everything. Like as if, as if KT was a jewel in his crown. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm kind of crying a little bit. And it was so clear. I went to upstairs, uh, we had a three-story house, and I wrote everything down. And I've still got that notebook. In fact, I can show it to you, but you must excuse the handwriting because it was two in the morning after all. So anyway, I knew that Kensington Temple at that time was perhaps going through a little difficult time, and I didn't know what to do, and so what I did was do nothing and kept quiet. When you don't know what to do, don't say anything. Can you hear that from me? When you don't know what to do, don't say anything. So I just kept that in my heart. Well, we went on and we worked hard, but then this experience happened five times over the ensuing weeks into the summer, meaning always at two in the morning. I don't know what the Lord's got about two in the morning. So I just I just kept it to myself, didn't say a word. I told Kathy and we just prayed about it. And actually, when the Lord shared these, these five messages, I, I actually said to the Lord, what's that got to do with me? It was about KT. I was saying, what's that got to do with me? And there was no answer. Then later on, if you know me, um, in, in the, my friends and in Elam, I've been known as somebody who does lots of strategy. My, my thing is flip charts, diagrams, you know, flow charts, triangles, circles, and squares, and sometimes an oblong. That's that's my whole art uh, experience. And very unusually for me, I had a dream, a really unusual dream. In my dream, I saw a beautiful wineskin. Now, some people may not think wineskins are beautiful, but everybody, I was in a crowd, and we're all looking up at this 20 foot high, maybe even taller wineskin. And everybody was saying, that's lovely. What a beautiful wineskin. What a lovely wineskin. And in the crowd, the Lord said to me, there's no wine in that wineskin. Now, again, I want you to hear something. The Lord's voice was so lovely. And it was so from a, a point of view of love. And the Lord said to me, I want you to help me to put wine in that wineskin. And in the dream, I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't help you, you help me. And he said, no, I want you to help me to put wine in that wineskin. Now, I don't want you to hear anything critical about the church or anything, because in every season, we always need a little bit of new wine, don't you think? It's not that we haven't got any wine, or we've had any wine. And sometimes we just need some new wine, don't you think? And so, but I want you to hear that it was a voice of love, that the Lord was also saying, it's a beautiful wine skin." I don't want you to hear anything critical. So I woke up from that dream and that really shook me. And I was thinking, Lord, you're obviously trying to get something. So I decided to talk to one of my leaders and say to him, I want you to tell Chris Cartwright to tell KT this. I'm still, see, I'm a bit thick, really. I'm, I'm still not getting the clue that I think the Lord wants me to come here. So I call my, what is, boss. And I we'd done lots of other things on the phone. Uh, uh, and then at the end of the conversation, I said, hey, I need to tell you something. I just want to be accountable to somebody. Um, I have, I've been having this strange experience, five, eight, five messages, i told him those, and i had this dream now, and it's, it, I just wanted to be accountable to you, and maybe you could say to Chris to tell KT. And on the end of the phone, it went really quiet, and he'll deny this, but he started crying. I know he was crying. He was going, <laughs> <laughs> and he was crying. And if he was here today, he'd say, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. And I said, mate, are you all right? He said, Mark, we've been talking about you. We know that you're so committed to Birmingham and we know that you've got a prayer meeting of 120 ministers. We know that you go down to the Houses of Parliament and you represent Birmingham and you're on the RE committee there and you do stuff for what happens in the in the education in in Birmingham, and we know that you're so invested in that city. And we as leaders, we've been talking about you, and we've been saying, I wonder if he would ever think about leaving the city that he loves and go to London. And there and then, I thought, oh, (laughs) it's me, Lord. (laughs) That was so clear. But I want you to know something. It took almost another year and a half, two years to do. That even though whether God's spoken to you really clearly, there can be a delay. And this is the lesson I want you to pick up. That you have to have the supernatural, but make sure you're diligent in the natural, that you respect the process. See, it took prayer. It took my friends praying for me and giving me advice. It took knowing what God had said, but not running ahead of that and respecting the process, giving the time so the board could meet, talking it through going to an interview, letting the natural things happen, being faithful and trusting God and saying, well, God, if this is for you, you, it's either that it's, it's my place to do this or you've just been testing me to see if I'm willing, being so at home in Birmingham, to move and do things that you want me to do. Always believe that God is at work, but always leave the outcomes to God. And say, well, if this is you, then you will superintend it. You will do it. Be willing to move where God wants you to move. Or should I say it this way? Have things on God's terms and not your own. And so there's a combination. When you're in a delay, sure, have the supernatural, but be diligent in
1: of the Lord there is freedom in his presence there is joy in his presence Amen I just want to share a scripture with you guys just to encourage you all the word of God says in Psalms 40 I waited patiently for the Lord to help me he turned to me and he heard my cry he lifted me out of the pit of despair out of the mire and the mud and he set my feet on solid ground I steadily walked along He put a new song on my mouth A hymn of praise unto our God Many will see what the Lord has done And they will be amazed Many will see what the Lord has done And they will be amazed I've got to say that one more time Many will see what the Lord has done And they will be amazed Church, I want to encourage you. We're going to sing a song that's called God Turn It Around. And I truly believe that this is what God does. Just as he did it for Moses, just as he did it for Joseph, just as as he did it for David, he can also do it for us because he's the same God yesterday, today and forevermore. His word does not return back void. So I pray that as we sing this song, whatever you're going through, I pray that you can lay it down at his feet today and just say, God, turn it around because nothing is too hard for our God. Just lift up your hands right now. Let's just surrender our hearts. Let's just surrender our hearts to him. Hallelujah. I'm praying God comes and turn this thing around. Turn it around, God, turn it around, God, turn it around. I'm calling on the name that changes everything. God, turn it around, God, turn it around, God, turn it around. Let's sing it out. I'm praying God comes. I'm praying God comes turn this thing around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Come on, let's call on the name of Jesus. I'm calling on the name that changes everything. I'm praying God comes. And I'm praying God comes. Just begin to speak this over your situation. Begin to speak this over what you're going through. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. I'm calling on the name of Jesus that has power. I'm calling on the name. Which changes everything. It changes everything. Father, we ask you to turn it around.
0: God turn it
1: around. God turn it around. Sing it out, all round. of my hope. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. God turn it around. God turn it around. Turn it around God turn it
0: around God turn
1: it around Come on let's sing it out I'm praying God comes, let's declare it out loud I'm praying praying God comes To turn this thing around We're speaking it out God turn it around God turn it around God turn it around And so Father we call on the name of Jesus that changes everything, just turn it around, God turn it around, God turn it around. Something, God is doing something right now. He is up to something, he is up to something, God is doing something right now. He is up to something, he is up to something, God is doing something right now. He is up to something, he is up to something. God is doing something, come on let's sing it out, He is up to something, He is up to something, He is up to something something. my emotions I gotta go by what the Word of God says and what the Word of God says is that he is for me he is for you because if our God is fighting for us then who can be against us so I don't know what you're going through maybe you're here on behalf of someone else but I want us to declare this one more time and we're gonna declare it by faith we are the army of God we are the head and not the tail we are above and not beneath and that's what I got to stand on So we're going to sing it out that He is healing someone right now. He is saving someone right now. God is doing something right now. I may not be able to see it, but I know that, my God, there is nothing too hard for Him. Amen, church? Amen, church? Amen. Let's sing it out. He is healing someone. Let's declare it out now. Right now. He is healing someone. He is saving someone. God is doing something right now. He is healing someone. He is saving someone. God is doing something. Come on, let's sing it out. He is moving. He is moving mountains, making a way for someone.